All right, everybody, welcome to the Flagship Podcast. Man, we got a good one for you today. I am joined, as always, by the managing editor of Horns247.com, the one and only T-Bone, Taylor Estes. We call her T-Bone because, you know, her older brothers made her be a hockey goalie when she was, (laughs) like, five. And they're, like, slapping pucks at her and... uh, and that's why she's tough. That's why she can handle the our highly wonderful dysfunctional family at Horns 24/7. And if you're not a member of our uh, wonderfully dysfunctional uh, Horns 24/7 family, Taylor, tell them tell them what it's all about. Well, yeah, I mean, right now we actually have a special going on where if uh, you're a new member, you can sign up for an annual membership and you'll get 30% off of your first year of um, the. In my opinion, you know, Chip and I both worked at multiple places um, covering Texas, and in my op- opinion, nothing you know beats the quality of content of content at Horns Twenty Four Seven. In addition to the entire Twenty Four Seven Sports Network, we're annual members. If you do sign up for that annual, you get VIP access to every single team site. Um, if you want to go the monthly route right now, we're running a special for next week um, to get your first month for. A dollar, so you can you can get personal you know connections with me and Chip every single day by joining Horns twenty four seven. So I highly recommend it. And guess what? Um, you also get our personal connections to people like Chris Del Conte, who will be joining the flagship podcast, making his debut on the flagship podcast, and uh, we, we want to get his thoughts on Tom Herman's new football coaching staff. Go behind the scenes with uh, all the hires and how it went down and how involved was Chris Del Conte. We'll get into all of that with the man known as CDC, who's had an unbelievable two years at Texas when you think about the new game day atmosphere around DKR for football games with Bevo Boulevard, Smokey's Midway, Longhorn City Limits, ripping up all the corporate sponsorships during the games, You know, having a viral moment like... You know, Journey, Can't Stop Believing. It just, there's a different vibe. Mm-hmm. And and we're excited to talk to him and, and get his thoughts. He had his town hall meeting recently, which, again, that's another thing that he deserves credit for. Opening up himself, talking about everything going on behind the scenes, and then taking hard questions. I mean, I hammered him with questions about Shaka Smart at the town hall. Um, and... You know, the guy gets it, and he knows what's going on. He knows it's rough, but he also knows that the student-athletes deserve the season and a season to, to grind and, and do the best they can and and always try to improve and, and make the most of this season, and then there will be a review of the coaching staff. And so, um, you know, we'll focus that interview on football. We'll focus it on the the coaching hires, Mike Yersich and, and Chris Ash and um, Taylor, before we get into all that, because you've done a great job of pulling some of the audio from our interviews with the assistant coaches who we got to meet this week. And, uh, but there was also some news. And I think our, our listeners and our members at horns 24 seven are really excited to digest some of the news like DeMarvian Overshawn moving from, from safety to Will Linebacker, something that I've been hinting at, um, and and now it's going to happen. 
And and then, you know, you asked the the question about, um, you know, Anthony Cook going from corner to nickel and Josh Thompson going from nickel to corner. And and then, of course, B.J. Foster is going to miss the spring with shoulder surgery. Um, But I want to get your thoughts on on that stuff. And in addition to spring football starting March 24th with the spring game on April 25th. Yeah, you know, I think that um, I think some of these position moves are probably necessary. I was a little bit surprised about the news of Anthony Cook moving to nickel and then Josh Thompson moving back to corner. Now, from what I had gathered from last season, there was hope that Josh Thompson would return to the cornerback room once he was um, healthy. And so I know that has been something that he's wanted to do, but you know, I, I'm kind of curious to see how he, he, you know, he filled in at safety. He's played nickel, played corner. I'm really curious to see the versatility that he brings going back to kind of his natural position at corner. And this, in my opinion, you know, people kind of forget about Josh Thompson from last season because he got injured so early and then actually end up being able to uh, get a redshirt year out of it because he got injured in his fourth game of the season, which with the new NCAA redshirt rules allows a player to, um, you know, get a red shirt for that. So I'm, a, I, I'm really interested to see how the, the competition at corner is going to kind of play out with Jalen Green, Deshaun Jamison, you know, they were kind of, and Anthony Cook was sprinkled in there too, but they were kind of the one and two corners from the 2019 team. You know, they were brand new starters that year. Now they got a lot of starting ex- experience from, you know, their true sophomore season, but adding Josh Thompson, I think, I think we got to, you know, this is something to keep an eye on. Cause I really do think, you know, he's going to be a red shirt junior. Um, so he technically has two years of eligibility left. I really do think that if he's given the opportunity, I think he's going to grab within a run with it. And from what we heard from both, you know, Tom Herman is the first one that mentioned it. he said, Chris Ash came into his office and was after watching some of the film and was really, really impressed with both Josh Thompson and Chris Brown. Wait, who? Had, Chris Brown? Yeah, Chris Brown. Chris your Brown? Guy. Your guy. My guy. Yeah. <laughs> so those telling are everyone, things. this guy's a pro <laughs> prospect. He's a big-time pro prospect. People are like, oh, whatever, Caden Stearns and BJ Fox. I'm like, just don't sleep on Chris Brown. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny you say that because my, my father-in-law um, – you know, this last football season was the first year that he had been retired after coaching for about 30 years. And he called me after watching the first few games and he's like, who is that number 15? Cause that's a bad man. <laughs> who he's that like, guy? Yeah. He's like, I don't know if he's good on, in one-on-one, uh, if he has to drop back in one-on-one coverage, he's like, but man, as long as that guy on the field, Texas has a chance. And then sadly he goes down with injury. So maybe coaches a kiss of death, but yeah, so I think that, you know, this is going to be interesting, in my opinion, Chip, to see how Josh Thompson um, does in this new role. And, you know, another position move, which we, I think, all were expecting, um, was after seeing the performance in the uh, Alamo Bowl, Joseph Osai moving closer to the defensive line in a position that they're calling the jack position, which is going to be kind of a hybrid defensive end um, who's you know, talented enough to rush the passer, but also, you know, quick enough to drop back in coverage and possibly go into one-on-one coverage. I think that's, um, 
that's definitely good, especially Thank if God. Texas is using the four, you know, four down linemen, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, this guy, and I've been screaming about this for ever since he came on campus. He's your best pass rusher. What are you doing? Quit mm-hmm. having him rust, you know, race down the field, covering the slot 30 yards downfield. What, just because he never gets tired, you, you want to run him all over the play? No, he's there. He's the best pass rusher. I mean, Tim Crowder, friend of the flagship podcast, member of the 2005 Texas National Championship team, has the school record uh, for single game tackles for loss with seven. And Joseph Osai almost got that in the Alamo Bowl. The first time they really played him in in that jack stand-up outside linebacker position for an entire game, and the guy dominated. I mean, he is an absolute, legit Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Mm-hmm. I'll be disappointed if he's not, you know, deep in the mix on that. And the guy's a total game-changer, and I I feel sorry for guys like Malcolm Roach and even Brecken Hager who got stuck in this. I, I mean, to this day, Todd Orlando has never been able to explain it with any clarity to me mm-hmm. about, you know, playing – these ends in the four eye because if you're going to do that you have to have linebackers who are unbelievably physical and will come and fill the gap with absolute thunder mm-hmm. and texas doesn't didn't didn't have that yeah so not last field team yeah. across the board and we'll get into that because once again we are taking questions from you the horns 24 7 membership uh great questions Great questions last week. We didn't get to all of them. We won't get to all the questions this week, but we will get to some of them. Before we go to our member questions that we're so excited that um, our valued members did send in, you know, we're talking about Joseph Osai. Chris Ash was asked about Osai's upside and um, in comparison to some of the the players that he has coached in his career. And there's some some names that some Texas fans, any football fans, are going to know here. So let's hear Chris Ash's take on Joseph Osai's upside. I've been fortunate uh, enough to be around some really good uh, defensive ends. It was J.J. Watt at the uh, University of Wisconsin. Probably um, the best one I've been around. Um, Joey Bosa was really good at Ohio State, too. He, he's right up there. Uh, those were two of the best. We had a guy at the Rutgers, Kamoko Ture. He was a second-round pick of the Indianapolis Colts. He was a really good pass-rushing defensive end uh, as well. Um, you know, uh, I see a lot of those things in Joseph Osai as well. He's got length. He's got speed. got long arms. He's got to develop the fundamentals to be a great pass rusher. Uh, but I've been around some really good ones, and uh, hopefully Joseph can become another one of those guys. Those yeah, are some I mean, powerful what, words, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. You, you, I mean, Chris Ash is immediately identifying, um, you know, the, the physical traits that are going to uh, belong to players who are going to be successful in the position he sees them in, and that's that's exciting. Look, that's it's it's a a plus b equals c stuff but you still want to hear the coach say it and recognize it and you know have a vision for that player and that's that's what that's what coaching is the coach sees the vision for the player before the player can see it and then he has to get the player to fill that vision and that's i i heard that a bunch from chris ash and i i felt good about it i mean i think um I'm excited. I'm excited to see where he's, you know, going to play some of these guys. How he's going to play them. Uh, Demarvin Overshawn at the at the will linebacker position, and 
as we mentioned, Josh Thompson, Anthony Cook getting, you know, new looks. And uh, I think that's, that's it's going to be exciting. Yeah, for sure. Well, now let's go to our member question, Chip. This one is addressed to you, and it is along the lines of another position move um, that Texas will see when spring football starts on March 24th. This is from Hornsbill96. says, hey, Chip, with the move of DeMarvian Overshawn to linebacker, do you think he can be an elite caliber player at that position? Yeah, I mean, look, Overshawn is ridiculously talented and gifted with the measurables. I mean, he's a six, three and a half, six, four ish long arms put together can run like the wind football player. I mean, this is what you want. And I mean, Hornsbill 96 even alluded to Isaiah Simmons at Clemson. Who's, you know, a freakish guy along the lines measurably as DeMarvin Overshawn. Now, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to put DeMarvin Overshawn in Isaiah Simmons category yet, but does he have the potential? Does he have the physical makeup? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, Overshawn's been hurt. Um, some of that I blame on the scheme, and that will probably be another question we'll get to in the, uh, in the latter part of the flagship podcast after we talk to, to Chris Del Conte. But I think Overshawn is an exciting player. He brings the thunder. You feel him on the field and he can run sideline to sideline. And that's exactly what you want in that will linebacker position. The will linebacker position is where Jordan Hicks played. It's where Derek Johnson played. It is the money position. I mean, if DeMarvin Overshawn was ever having second thoughts and he did, he had second thoughts about, he, they wanted him to play Rover, which was the money position in Orlando's scheme. And he wanted to play safety. Now he's ready to play Will linebacker, which is typically a protected spot because he's playing, you know, behind the three technique and the three technique is going to usually command a double team or the nose tackle is going to command a double team, which means the will linebacker should be uncovered, able to run and make plays. And when you think about Joseph Osai being up there and DeMarvin Overshawn being right behind him, that's fun to think about. That's a lot of speed and a lot of thump coming at you. Right. I agree with that. And But one thing, Chip, that I think, I'm not sure, I said this in one of our staff chats recently, but um, from what I have been able to gather, DeMarvin Overshawn has never played an entire football season dating back to when he started playing in high school without missing some games because of injury. So, so you, just, you just did the reverse kiss of death right there. Well, yeah, yeah. So he's now Ruben's, going to have his first football season since Pee Wee of being exactly. healthy. Yeah, but like I think that you know that's something kind of to keep an eye on, and you know I think we'll see if maybe if the scheme was kind of a a problem with uh, some of the shoulder injuries, especially with that Texas faced last year. But um, you know, one other uh, before we get to. Crystal Conte, um, the Texas athletic director who will be debuting on the flagship podcast today. Um, maiden voyage. Actually, <laughs> the maiden voyage. I wanted to address the situ- or what um, Andre Coleman, former analyst who was promoted to receive receivers coach. You know, he had some really, really strong words about Sam Ellinger. Now, as 
you know, most people know since Andre Coleman was on the staff last year, he was around the offense a lot. Now he was, you know, he was an offensive quality control assist or, um, excuse me, an offensive analyst, but he couldn't necessarily coach, but he was able to kind of see the mannerisms of Sam Ellinger and all of the offensive players. And here is what his take is on the caliber and the quality of player that Sam Ellinger is. To a wedding of one of my former uh, players this past weekend, and I saw a guy named Jake Waters. Yeah, uh, 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 at Kansas State. He was our quarterback. I thought he was. was a, I thought he was one of the best players mentally. When I talk about football, like it's not just physical; it's it's, it's mentally and understanding the game. Uh, I thought he was one of the best guys that I've ever been around, understanding the game. I'm talking about at any level. And we had this conversation, and I told him that I thought that Jay Ellen, that that, I, 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 that Sam Ellinger was the one of the best football players, and, and, and that's that's physical, that's mental, that's toughness, that's leadership, that's competitiveness. That's he is one of the best that I've ever been around, and that I, I, I sincerely, I sincerely believe. That. All right, Taylor, when I wrote the column this week saying don't don't get, you know, blinded by seven new coaching hires on Tom Herman's staff, this team is built to win now. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of reasoning yeah. as to why Texas is built to win now. You're going to have a senior quarterback in, in Sam Ellinger who's beaten Georgia. Yeah, you know, he's played he's played at a high level and he's very capable. And anyone who questions him and not the coaching last year, the coaching failed Sam Ellinger, not the other way around. And I will I will debate anyone into the night about that because that guy is a warrior. And I will say this for the thousandth time and I'll say it a thousand more. I've never seen that kid so pissed off as when he came off the field against Iowa State after he led them on 12 and 15 play drives, making play after play to get them back in that game. And then Tom Herman calls, you know, two running plays into the pile. And Ellinger was so pissed coming off the field. I thought he was going to punch Tom Herman. I I think they even had words, but it, it, that kid wanted to, he wanted to go win that game and, and he wasn't allowed to. And, and I, that fire, I, I, I agree with, with Andre Coleman and Ellinger's a huge reason. I think Texas is built to win the big 12 in 2020. Yeah, I completely agree. And honestly, that type of fire is not something that you, that's a learned trait. You can, you know, you can learn to be a little bit more competitive. You can learn to be a little bit better of a leader, but there are certain type of qualities that I think people are built with. And when you think of the type of quarterback that you would want to not only lead, you know, your, your football team, but to lead a team at the university of Texas, that's almost like a given if they want to be successful, like how Colt McCoy was, how Vince Young was. I mean, those were, those were the people that were the, they were the first in the, you know, the facilities, they were getting guys out in off season. They were keep keeping on guys, you know, getting on them when they were slacking off and stuff. And that's what Sam Ellinger is 
And I agree with you 100% that the offense last year, and my thing is, why do you take the ball out of the hot hand? You know what I mean? Like, that was the game. Yeah, at the end of the game, with the game on the line. I mean, that to me just showed that Tom Herman was 100% in over his head as a, as a play caller last season. It's a good thing that he's bringing in Mike Yersich, um, you know, to call the plays. So we think, you know, at least to start with. Um, no, for we'll sure. Along. No, he will. <laughs> and I will, yeah. that'll be part of my tailgate takeaway. Because, um, yeah, that's Yersich. That was a good hire. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I think Mike Gundy's, you know, opinion that he gave Tom Herman of Yersich is something that you take into consideration with Gundy and the success he's seen at a small school. Um, but, you know, we've we've been teasing it all opening of the flagship podcast. Now let's get the actual inside scoop. So here he is. Chris Del Conte, Chip, take it away. Uh, very excited right now to bring in the athletic director at the University of Texas, making his debut on the flagship podcast, Horns247.com, the one and only Chris Del Conte. Chris, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing excellent. Thanks for having me on the uh, podcast as my debut. Hey, listen, you're a busy man. <laughs> um, we're excited and you know, I was at the I was at the town hall, but we'll we'll get to some of the stuff at the town hall. But obviously, Tom Herman has his coaching staff hired now. Seven new on-field assistant coaches hired, and going into this process, you said, "Hey, this is all Tom Herman's call." And now that it's concluded, Mike Yersich is the offensive coordinator. Chris Ash is the defensive coordinator. What stands out to you about this coaching staff? Well, first of all, it's been two years since I've been here, so I'm glad it's taking that long to have me on your podcast. Really appreciate <laughs> it, there, Chip. <laughs> Sorry, we're 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 yeah, a little yeah, slow. Say, we're a little slow I'm on the a update. Little slow. I'm just gonna tell you, I, you must be just down in the dump for uh, content. You're calling <laughs> me after two years. I just want to let you know that. No. Um, <laughs> but you know what? I'm really proud of Tom. Is Tom took a hard look at what he needed to do to. Um, uh, uh, win a conference championship or compete for a national championship. And, and he looked inward. And I, as Tom said, he, he, and I love what he said, because I wasn't getting it done and we needed to um, retool the retool um, our staff. And uh, he knew that, uh, that when you, you get a chance to do that one time. Right. And uh, it was funny. I was talking to um, uh, when I, we were playing Utah, Utah's had nine offensive coordinators since uh the coach there took over. Think through that for a moment, right? And Tom goes, look, we have a chance. We have really good players. And I wanted to um, have someone calling, calling offense and defense. And he had, a, and what he did was, um, I'm really proud of him because he took a step back, looked within, looked what he needed to do to change and, uh, and what he wanted from his staff and made the changes. And it's, uh, I'm excited. Tell you what, he's dressing better too. Is he, he's shopping at the Chris Del Conte uh, fashion store. Uh, you know, since I, I, I shop at Ross Dress for Less, I think he's probably at Neiman Marcus. I, you know, I, I'm going to have to take tips from him. I don't believe that for a second. But let me ask you this. A lot of people, we're getting right to the hard stuff. You know what I mean? Because you can handle anything. I mean, I saw you in that town hall meeting. You took on all comers. Does Tom Herman have to have a certain type of season to keep his job in 2020? No, I, I, think that, I, I think that's crazy talk, um, Chip. 
And I do that. I mean that. I mean, think about it. We're just, his, we've been here, uh, he's been here three years. First year was seven wins. Last year was, uh, then we went 10 and won the Sugar Bowl. And then we won the, uh, then we had eight wins and we went and uh, won the um, uh, Alamo Bowl. Our expectations are high, but we also have to look back to where the program was and, and uh, think when's the last time we won three bowl games in a row. Um, and look at the building blocks that we're putting forth and his recruiting. So this is not a moniker, oh, you got to win X or not. Tom made some really difficult choices in uh, letting go a lot of people that were dear friends of his and were with him for a long time. So we're going to make changes. And I, and I love the fact you're checking what a great offensive quarter, what a great offensive mind. We have eight, what do we have, nine seniors on offense and eight or nine on defense coming back. Yep. Really sound, a, a solid team. And, 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 you know, like anything else, if you don't have uh, barring injuries, um, you have a chance to have a really special season. And uh, uh, and he knows that. But there's never this idea. I always look at it in a, in, in, in a totality. And I know that uh, my job is not to get too high or too low, but just stay even keel and always look uh, more pragmatic at, at how we're improving the product and what he's doing to uh, move the needle. And the, the nation is impatient. Because it's been a while since we competed for a national championship, no different than uh, we the last one we won in, in, in 1970, and then we finally we won it again in 05, right? And then yep. Mac Mac could have played, but we had we had a chance to play for it. We had a chance to play in 19. We should have won. We played in 78. Should have won. Played in 81 or 82, right around there with uh, Fred Akers. Mac should have played played for uh, played for two. Should have played for five. And uh, um, and uh, this past decade has been has been has been a decade where. The Roaring Twenties is coming, and that needs to be where the, 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 the Longhorns take, can take a hold of what they need to take a hold of. And I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, you, uh, I love this. At the, uh, at the town hall, you said, hey, we're Goliath because the University of Texas is the giant. It is the revenue king, and it is the, the center of the college athletics universe. It's, it's, it's the program that everyone has compared itself to. And and Texas doesn't get to be David because you know you're not the little guy. You're the you're the big guy, and the only people who like Goliaths are Goliaths. But yeah, you know. Well, then let, let me back up. Then, then your wife said what? <laughs> <laughs> that Rock and Robin, Doctor Robin said what? Hey, what? Hey, you better stay stay away from Bible quotes. And what are you doing? You know, we died at the end. I go, it, it didn't come out right. But what? I, but at the town hall, what I was trying to say was, it was really a budget question. And you think about the budget question when you put a budget and you look at the University of Texas budget, and everyone's, oh my God, they have all the money, right? And you go, you're right. The, the, the Texas has uh, the University of Texas has uh, loyal fans. And I can't thank them enough. And we have a lot of people that. That, that support our athletic program and the revenue proves that. But at the end of the day, when you look at that, you just look at a number. Take, so I'm going to use the analogy again for a moment. The analogy was not that that, that Goliath is, is killed at the end, but the, the analogy was really about the fact that when you throw a number out there, right, that is a massive number. And if you took the analogy of, of David against Goliath in terms of uh, the, the, the hunter, always chasing the hunted, Right. right, right. University of Texas, our student athletes never have a chance to say that they're that that they are the hunter. They are always the hunted. Yep. Because national optics, whether it's how they're covered by you, because of what national media is, because the size of, of budgets, plus being the flagship school, the University of Texas in the great state of Texas, there's always going to be. This is Texas, 
and this is where the idea, this is Texas. So, so from a budgetary standpoint, you, you have to look at that and say, David is not at all part of your makeup. Yep. You're, our kids, you're the hunted. But, but, the, but our student athletes coming in here, as soon as they don't, that beautiful color, burn orange and white, they are automatically the hunted. Yep. And you have to they recruit. Also have to, they also have to get used to that. Right. And the pressure and with social media today, with the coverage of the Longhorn Network, the coverage of, of 24-7, the coverage of the everyone that covers the University of Texas, there is no quarter for them not to, to fail. Right. Right. Because all eyes are on them. And that's tough. But that's why you come here. You well, know, and why, why, even you, you, know, that's why you, you know, as, Texas, as, right? the, as the athletic director, you mentioned that at TCU, you had it. You could have ridden around with your feet on the handlebars. You had it built. You had all your your money streams. But you had to come and tame the beast, baby. Try to ride Bevo for eight seconds. But let me ask you this. Let's go behind well, the you're scenes. You're never going to tame the beast. My comment was you got to try. You know what? If you have one life, and, you know, like I said, the saying in my office. God's gift uh, to you is your potential. What you do with your potential is your gift to him. Coming to the University of Texas is going to test your mettle. Yep. And you know what? I, 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 in life, I, want, I don't want to be 70 years old and say, gosh, dang it, I should have, would have, could have. I wanted to say, you know what? I, in, in the life that I was given, I, I tried my best. And I, and I got a chance to go ride Bevo, and I wanted to see if I could <laughs> hang on to that bad boy for eight, eight, for eight seconds. <laughs> I love it. All right, take us behind the curtain into the hiring process of this football coaching staff. Did you meet with all the candidates? Did you only meet with the coordinators? What no. kind of questions were you asking Tom to make sure that he was getting what he wanted? I think what, what we did with Tom is that you got to have and trust. You, you trust your head coaches to make the right decisions. And AD's job is, you know, you always go try to do the very best job to hire the very best head coach you can hire. That's your job. The very and not, and not every head coach is ever gonna. Uh, they don't all pan out the same way. You can look and sit there and say you can look at all previous past hires. You hope you make it right, um, but but you just never know, right? And it's sometimes that they're right fits, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they were good at some other places, and they just didn't work out here for for, for a variety of reasons. With Tom, when he made those decisions, we I, I figured, what do you need? I'm with you. Let's make the decisions you need, and then we just had conversations of what he was looking for. It's like. Uh, uh, we knew right now that we had the skill set of of, um, of a great quarterback. We had to run an offense, and we knew that quarterback could be successful as a senior. We had a great uh, a, a great uh, offensive line coach knew what the team and the team who recruited across. So Tom was really going to look for for people that fit our personnel. There was a lot of people saying you got to go hire this guy, that guy. Again, they weren't personnel fits. Tom had a plan, said, I want to run a, a, a four-down lineman. This is what we want to run. We looked at Ash. This guy, Ash, was a, is a hell of a defensive coordinator and did a, an amazing job. Now, you know, everyone said, well, look at Rutgers. You know, as, as my wife will tell me, every guy will take any bad job and say, oh, I can make it. And every woman will go, hell, that ain't a bad job, you ding-dong. Don't take that job. You got to be, you know, no, 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 per, no, no fellow thinks they're, they're not going to be successful. Right. So right. every decision I talk to my wife, she's, she's the only one that has, has rational behavior in my house. <laughs> right. She's like, okay, you, you, you think you can, you know, it's like, it's like getting a car. I never turn on the GPS. And she just yells at me like, how dumb are you? Get the GPS <laughs> and go find the restaurant. Especially right? in Austin, so, Texas. 
it's constantly we argue and she'll just look at me. She, she drives now because she knows uh, I'll get in the car and just go. We're lost and I get upset and she's like, there you go. Uh, was, uh, Coach it. Ash won a national championship at, at Ohio State. Tom wanted to run run a uh, 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 a uh, uh, a four down uh, four down front. Knew we had the personnel to uh, to do that uh, um, and said, okay, let's go build our staff around that. And we loved Ash. Went out and got the, a, a, a linebacker coach that was just dynamic and young from South Carolina, which was under a previous de- defensive coordinator uh, 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 that was here previously. So he he was building staff, and, not, and the one guy he knew was him, Ash. Yep. And he said, okay, go ahead and build your staff up. And he did that. And then he went to the offensive side, and he was looking for guys that uh, um, um, that that could fit what we were trying to do. And it's awesome. What you you you're you're very present. You're not only present on Twitter. You're present having a town hall meeting, subjecting yourself to all the questions from all comers. But you're also present with all your coaches. You go to their meetings. You you know you've been with all the the teams, all the coaches. When you're around Tom Herman and this coaching staff now, what are you seeing in terms of the chemistry and? This thing's got to come together quickly because, as you said, this is a team that's built to win. Yeah, and I think I think I think that the issues with, with Tom right now—they just were getting they're they're building the staff. They had the bowl game, and they are out recruiting, right? So they're just back in the office right now. They're all watching tape. They're really energized. It's an exciting vibe. Uh, um, you know, uh, all those young guys—they they bring something uniquely to the table. I mean, I've known Bullwear for a long time. Uh, uh, our, our, our OC is just like, he's high, high energy. Our linebacker coach, high, high energy. Um, Ash is just, he's stately. He was a head coach. He understood it. So he's just a really good calming figure. Um, but more importantly, I just like that. They're just all getting after it. They're being, they're, they're, they're accountable. They know they've got an unbelievable opportunity. And I just like the, uh, uh, and first of all, I like because the football building is being torn down and they're with us in the office right now. Oh yeah. I love the energy of being around them. I mean, it's, 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 it's exciting. And well, then I see Tom, Tom has a huge step pep in his step and uh, it's good. Let's talk about that because at the town hall meeting, uh, if people couldn't get there, or they didn't see it. This is going to be a completely different football season for those who come to DKR uh, on a fall Saturday. I mean that from yeah. where the team the team is no longer in the south end. The south end is, I mean, under construction. So, talk about where the coaches are now. They're all over the place, right? They're in the north end. They're on the the west side. Where are they? And and they're going to be coming out of the north end before football games. Tell us about what fans in the stadium are going to experience differently. Well, I think one of the things you have to look at is because we need a time of swing space. Because the uh, the old the old Moncrief Hall, Moncrief Newhouse is being completely uh, gutted down to its studs. Every single uh, thing is so right now. It's just completely right now. We're in asbestos abatement because that's how old that building is. Wow! So that building was built for Coach Royal, uh, remodeled by uh, John Makovic, one floor. So they're having to redo everything. Everything is completely getting torn down to its studs. And we're adding, you know, the, the whole thing is about a 240,000 square foot enterprise when you see how big it's when it's going to get done. So we're just going to wrap around that existing building and keep on going. So it's going to be 
a completely brand new football space. And, and you know, we're roughly spending $200 million on that, which, which has been raised by significant uh, donors that want to see Texas uh, compete at the highest level. And I can't thank them enough. But in the meantime, they can find swing space. So we, we moved our marketing team, our, our media relations team, our compliance team to other places around the, the stadium and moved our entire football operations staff into their offices and displaced staff into other areas around the, the stadium because we wanted to have a continuous football staff area. We moved football academics up to the ninth floor and uh, the visiting team locker room, which, house, which always had proper air conditioning, by the way. <laughs> We're going to move our football team into the visiting locker room. The visitors are going to use the old visiting locker room on the, uh, uh, on the other side of the stadium. So our football team will enter through the north end zone. Uh, this coming year. So there's going to be a lot of changes, but in 21, we'll be back to normal. Just this coming year is going to be a year that we need. We're 18 months uh, uh, of swing space before we put our football program back in the, uh, in the, in the North end zone. So the football coaches are on floor number five or they're on floor no, they're seven, on floor number seven with me right down the hall. Okay. All right. Um, and then Bianco's old office where Bianco's old office is that, that, that wing is. So we took, our, mark, our marketing, Drew Martin's entire teams had to move. Bianco had to move his whole team. Our compliance had to move their whole team. HR had to move. All those employees moved to different parts of the, of, of, of the stadium so we could move our entire football staff into those, in, those entire, in our video department. And then and They also moved as well so we can have the entire football staff in that entire wing. That's, man, you're, you're seeing a lot of... Uh that football coaching staff then you see him every day at the drinking fountain or, you know, getting coffee or, Hey, you know, go walk yes. out to your cars. Yes, sir. Oh, they got a long walk to the car actually. And how about this? We moved, we moved, we moved our, our, um, uh, our weight room is no longer the way we, 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 uh, we made a deal with the rec center and we put what our whole entire football weight room is in the, in the rec center, one of the basketball courts. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know, you got to do what you got to do. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Oh, I mean, oh Yancey's like, okay, let's go do this. So we converted one of the basketball courts in the in the rec center for uh, um, for our weight room for the next seventeen months. Man, I got to go in there and check that out. Um, yes. All right. So talking to Chris Del Conte, obviously here on the flagship podcast, and you know, it's going. There is going to be a new sound system. Well, that's the good news. Before we get to all the parking traffic nightmare stuff, but any other. New additions to Bevel Boulevard, Smokies, Midway. I mean, you've done a fantastic job with that. I think people, if they haven't told you, the vibe around the stadium is completely different. It's 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 great. Longhorn City Limits. And and so anything new going on with those uh, attractions and then the uh, the new sound system. Tell us about that. Well, we'll go. Yes, we'll we'll be adding uh, uh, like every year many many more additions to the uh, um, to the to the game day experience. Uh, what what we're trying to do right now is just to make sure that our fans that come to DKR and come to our, our great city and our campus that they that they're a discretionary income that we're providing them um, with great value. So we uh, Drew Martin and his team are coming up with. Uh, uh, several new twists to what we did last year and several new offerings, expanded Midway, expanded uh, uh, Bebo Boulevard, a whole new concert series before and after. So those things will continue. A lot of new in-game stuff that we want to do inside the stadium that, that'll be exciting. Um, 
So those things are taking place uh, uh, that will be um, moving forward. The sound system in the stadium, obviously we'll be putting a new scoreboard in. The hard part about the, the, the sound system is we got to tweak it, is that the, the way the stadium is set, it's set for a single source sound system. Right. You don't so have speakers not, throughout the entire no, it's not, it's stadium. It's not distributive. And when you have a distributive system, and the size of DKR and the mass of concrete and how high it is and how, how big it is, a distributed system really creates a massive echo and a delay. So we're also working with all our sound coordinators to try to figure out what the best sound system we can put in. They're all doing that right now. But our previous sound system was a single source just blaring out at you. And, you know, when, when, when the old stadium, before the renovation, right, uh, uh, when before they re-expanded DKR, you, you could have a single source because it would blow all the way out the other end. When you closed it in, right, and you put a big scoreboard in a single source, some parts of that stadium cannot hear the speaker system really well, and some can just get their ears bopped out. And I hear from everybody. I can't hear it. I can hear it. The band where the band sits, you can hear you can hear it on the west side, but you can't hear it on the upper east side deck because the sound is going one way. So we we, we have a sound expert coming in here and addressing all that, uh, and uh, I look forward to seeing what they come back with. Oh, that's uh, that's fantastic! All right, you got all kinds of we'll we'll wind it down here, but you got all kinds of facilities construction. Uh, Eddie Eddie Reese is finally getting his outdoor swimming and diving pool. He was promised in 1978. That's that'll, <laughs> and you got the pool over from Italy with the with the Trump tariffs and everything else. So it's going to happen. It's going to open in June, right? Yeah. So uh, mid, middle of May, the pool will be done. Um, and I'm really that's what I'm really excited about. Uh, uh, we have uh, we have uh, if you just go baseball just got finished. We're finishing up some parts of baseball. The coaches offices softball has started and that will be done uh, in the fall. Eddie's pool is under construction, should be done, will, will be done first week in May. Um, basketball, the, the new arena is under construction right now, and that project is, uh, is full steam ahead. We won't address the basketball practice facility for a couple months later because you got to get that hole dug and moved before we, we start the, the, the practice facility. But those, those projects are, 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 are off and running. We have the track and the mid-off uh, re- renovation going on right now. That'll be done uh, in uh, eight months. So, you know, you, we've touched every single project. The Hall of Fame opened up, and we'll make some more adjustments and new th- new attractions to the Hall of Fame this summer. So everything that we're trying to do is making sure that track and soccer have a new brand, or, or new renovated uh, and up-to-date facility. Softball will have a brand-new facility, up-to-date uh, uh, facility along with baseball, and then you have Eddie's pool, and then you have basketball, and then you have football. So we have close to, I mean, you know, if you call it all up, there's about 750 to $800 million worth of construction projects taking place right now. And uh, our donors uh, uh, and the nation have, uh, have really, uh, I just can't thank them enough. They're stepping up big time to make this happen. It's awesome. Well, and Plus I- our partnership with OBG. Yeah, and I want to say, I, I asked you about Shaka Smart at the town hall, and you said, Look, every coach gets reviewed at the end of the season. Let them work. Let them let them do their thing. But you just mentioned the donors, and the the great thing is Texas has donors who can give you tens of millions of dollars for all these incredible facility uh, construction projects. The bad news is 
you got all these donors who give you tens of millions of dollars and probably want some say. Chris, you know the po- the politics of being the athletic director at Texas. You have so many proud alums who are used to running things. They're CEOs. You've got CEOs and billionaires in your donor base. How do you keep them, you know, on your side, I guess I should say, and let you, you know, do your thing, which I, everything I'm hearing is, Hey, CDC's running it. It's his show. Don't, you know, guys who in the past have been like, this is what I want. You know, just talk about that. You have a great personality. You're a great communicator. How do you handle that part of this job? Well, I mean, we, we know we're running an enterprise based on people's passion and very rational people in their everyday lives will will become irrational when it comes to their passion. So I always, whoever it is, and this is why I'm so active on Twitter, trying to have a town hall meeting, because I so appreciate whether you buy a season ticket holder or you or, or you if you you know buy a C, a ticket buy a t-shirt donate for season tickets or give t- five ten million dollars to me the, the 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 structure is the same you be honest you lay out your plan of what you're trying to do and you give guidance and I take their feedback and one of the things I told with our staff when I when we when I started getting active on social media and going to i don't miss a home event for any of our sports if i'm in town it doesn't make a difference i am there because i want our student i want our student athletes to know that i'm I'm there i want our coaches to know that i'm watching but i want our fans to know that i appreciate them coming supporting whether it be women's tennis or football you have to be present but our own staff i told them guys one of the things that we have to do is be customer service driven if i say hey we will take care of this on social media I will then respond right back to the staff member, make sure that happens immediately. And our staff is now taking the approach that, okay, we're the, the, the fan comes first in terms of making sure they have an enjoyable experience. Our student athletes are obviously our priority and our coaches, but they go hand in hand. So when I'm, it doesn't make a difference who we're dealing with. I'm always going to say, okay, here's our plan. Here's what we're going to do. And don't deviate from that. What you can do is become wishy-washy and then, and then, you say one thing to one person and say another to the other. Just be consistent in your message whether and tell them here's what we're going to do and how we're going to go about it. And uh, they, may or, they may agree or disagree, but ultimately I'm going to listen to them and, and then explain why I'm doing it this way. But I always listen to them, to anybody, because they, have, they may have a better idea than I do. I go, okay, this is what I'm thinking, but no decision's ever made in a vacuum. But what I don't, what, what you're trying to do is that to knowing that you're running an enter, that you're serving the enterprise. I have, we, and I tell everyone, I have all the authority and no power. <laughs> right? You have, you have state politics, you have institutional politics. And like I tell everyone, I report to President Fembus, but I work for everybody. And I tell our staff that you may report to me in some form or fashion, but we work for the nation. And let's not forget that. So those things go hand in hand. And, but, you know, we have monthly head coaches meeting, uh, monthly all staff meetings, uh, exec meetings every, every week. Where we're just trying to continue the same message that the, the, the burn orange and white comes first. And that's what, what do we do to make sure that, that we're serving the nation? Well, I'll say this. I've been covering the program 28 years and it is unbelievable and in, in how you've taken the approach, because I can I can honestly say 
and this is before your time, the fans were not coming first. It it the the it was about the corporate sponsors. It was about the the dollars that the athletic department you know could raise, and the fans were an afterthought. And you come in, you rip up the the game day script for football. It's fun, the music, the videos, which I've been screaming about for years on the radio, saying it's not that hard, folks, if you just put the fans first. But you've done it, and and I don't think people should ever lose sight of that because for 25 years. It wasn't a great game day experience, and it's getting better and better. Um, anything else, Chris Del Conte, that you would like to add with regard to where things are right now that, that the fan base, uh, that you'd like to communicate to the fan base? Well, and I think, I mean, the, they have great passion, and uh, uh, that's the most important thing is that, that we're here to serve them, right? And I mean that sincerely in what we do. But I'm also knowing that, that they're impatient with everything, right? And I want them to know that I hear them. But that, that we're not going to overreact, that we're going to make decisions that are in a, in a, in a manner that, that, that is going to make sure that the enterprise is always moving forward in the right direction. And that if anyone has any questions on how we're uh, serving them and their, and, and, their, and their program, you know, they can call the office, they can email me, they can uh, hit me up on Twitter, and I will engage in conversation with anybody because this job is 24 7, right? And in the last 10 years, has been tough for the nation. And I mean that we had, you know, when four schools left, we got blamed. We've had four ADs, three chancellors, two presidents, three football coaches, two basketball coaches, two baseball coaches in the last six years. That's a lot of, that's a lot of turnover. Yeah. And, no, and, 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 and it, it, it can take anyone to their knees. I said, guys, it took us, it buckled us. It didn't take us down, but it buckled us. And we're and, and now and everyone else is, you know, and we have to address our facilities. We have to address our expectations. And these take building blocks. We've been here two years. We have a lot of work to do, but I'm really proud of the team. I'm proud of uh, um, the idea that we're able to combine both men's and women's athletic programs that were one. Uh, uh, and the team has embraced that idea. Uh, I'm, I'm proud that we were able to raise money for all of these facilities to make sure that coaches have the very best. But again, everything we're talking about, 523 student athletes, they're 18 to 22 years old. They feel the weight of the nation because, you know, they read everything. They're on your website. They're on all these websites. They're on social media. They hear it and they, I, they genuinely want to win every game because they know they're letting people down and they're excited when they win. And that's why you come to the University of Texas. But when I was at Rice or when I was at TCU, just smaller, same enthusiasm. Here, it is just, it's the behemoth of behemoths. And, you know, this is why you come to Texas. Well, a lot of people can't come here and do it because they're they're afraid of it. Well, I got to say this. Kat Osterman, I talked to her, had her on the radio show. And she said, almost the first time she met you, you whispered in, in her ear, we're going to get your number retired. And she couldn't believe that that was on your, your radar. And, you know, the fact that you were, it, it's like you had a sixth sense about everything going on down here. Maybe you had it all, you know, figured out ahead of time, but it's the attention to detail is, is striking for someone who's in the detail business and has been covering this thing for so long. Um, last thing, how's the minister of culture? You guys hanging out? <laughs> the MOC, I got on him the other night. I said, hey, buddy, 
you're spending way too much time with that soccer team. <laughs> hey, uh, you're no yeah, he's an owner MOC. of FC Austin. Hey, I, I said, you're no longer the MOC. You know what I mean? I don't see you around. <laughs> it's all about the soccer team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take away your title. <laughs> I called him up and told him, take it away his title. He's, the self-proclaimed title is no longer there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, Chris Del Conte, you're the best. Thanks for all the time. Uh, it's much, much appreciated. And, uh, and heck, we'll make this a regular town hall on the flagship podcast. You know what I mean? All right there, Chip. Keep doing you, brother. All right. You're the best. Appreciate it. Chris Del Conte and the flagship Bye-bye. podcast rolls on. Talk about a debut for the flagship <laughs> podcast. That was some great stuff there from Texas Athletic Director Chris Del Conte, who has absolutely done such amazing things with um, the game day atmosphere at Texas, especially as a person who was in school during the glory days when Texas was actually playing for significant um, you know, championships and bowl games and stuff. Break it's very refreshing. Dream DVDs. Yeah, it's very refreshing to he- to see you know, firsthand the impact that Chris Del Conte has made. And well, because and I think he just broke some news. Yes. Taylor. He yeah. just said that that he told Matthew McConaughey he's not the MOC anymore. He's spending too much he's spending too much time <laughs> with uh, FC Austin, the soccer team that uh, Mc, McConaughey is a part owner of. Yeah. It's that like, was hey, hilarious. Where's your loyalties? <laughs> McConaughey, where are your loyalties? Yeah. No doubt. He's even calling out the minister of culture. It's crazy. But <laughs> hey, when you do such good things in a, such a short period of time, you know, you kind of get skins on the wall. So oh, you yeah. can call up an Academy Award winner and uh, somebody that has a self-proclaimed title at the University of Texas. I don't think really he kind of seemed like it didn't mean anything. <laughs> it's just funny to hear that. Oh, yeah. um, but, you know, one thing I think, Chip, that he said to me, like kind of sticks out is the he is literally with the coaches like all the time now with the stadium <laughs> renovations in the south end zone you know and he, his office is with the coaches I gotta be honest I don't know of any AD or coaching staff I mean it's a random thing so I've never really asked too many people about it but I think that this might be one of the few and far between of uh, AD is literally next door to the head coach of a big time program like the University of Texas. What do you think? Oh, it's hilarious. I mean, oh it's like, God. you know, when the little kid in the class is making too much noise in the back of the room mm-hmm. and the teacher's like, come up here and sit next to me. You know, I mean, obviously that's not what's going on. Although no. <laughs> have you noticed Tom Herman is dressing a little sharper. You know what I'm saying? He is, he is. ever Dupere. since the double bird. Ever Double since, Bird Double came Bird. out, and ever since then, yeah. Yeah, CB, Chris Bennett, who's a member at Horns 24-7, great job pointing out. <laughs> he did sort of a, a time lapse of the, all the photos yeah. of the press conferences since the Double Bird, and they're all, he's wearing a sports coat. And, all right, you know, come on. Starting with hours after the Double Bird went down. Yeah. Hey, we got all the scoop for you here. You know what I mean? All right, and Taylor, Taylor has good scoop we're 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 to the tailgate takeaways now and taylor uh had a chance to catch up with jay valai who's kind of a interesting you know this staff is loaded with with assistant coaches unlike the previous staff and not to be to be callous but tom herman when you go to houston you're going to get 
you're not going to be able to pull from Ohio State and from SEC programs. And in this revamp of the coaching staff, he did get a lot of guys who've coached in white hot glare programs like Jay Bulware helping to win a national championship at Auburn. Um, you know, Coleman Hutzler has been at Florida and South Carolina and the SEC and on and on. And then there's Jay Valai, who's this interesting, you know, project who, you know, played for Chris Ash at Wisconsin and then coached with him at Rutgers. Um, so let's hear Taylor talking to Jay Valai about Chris Ash. From both playing for Chris Ash and then coaching under him at Rutgers, yep. what makes him such a great defensive mind in your opinion? Chris is one of the most detailed oriented guys you'll ever meet in your life. Uh, he's really passionate. He's a Midwest guy. If you ever take him out to go eat, he's going to get a burger wherever you're at, which is <laughs> that's a whole other story to say the least. Uh, but he's a passionate guy. He, he's very energetic. And, and, and once again, he knows the path to be successful and he's really locked in onto the details which i'll keep saying details because that's one thing he is he's really detail oriented and uh once again he, he wants to be great and he's passionate about it and he's a tremendous guy to, to play for and now to coach with give us your thoughts you know i thought i do think it's kind of interesting you know because jay Valai not only is the least experienced coach that was hired at texas but also one that chris ash essentially you know, rallied for and told Tom, like, this is my guy. This is my guy. And then Tom Herman said, um, when we met with him earlier in this week, he said, you know, it took one meeting with Jay Valai to realize, okay, I'm, I'm on board with this. So yeah, I think it's, it's interesting to, to have that kind of player coach relationship and to, you know, have this opportunity to, to play or to coach with the guy who coached him while it was only one year, but still it was a year that um, you know, I think that was the year Wisconsin went to the Rose Bowl, though they lost to TCU. But I think, you know, it's it's interesting to, to hear the both takes because you know that Jay Valai knows the how detail-oriented Chris Ash is, not just from, you know, pl- or coaching under him for one year, but you know that these coaches instill that, just like Tom Herman does, instills that stuff in their brains nonstop. So for him to say, that's all I'm going to say about Anytime I'm going to say anything about Chris Ash, it's about details. That's not just a coach saying that. That is a player that's like, trust me, like I've been through that. I kind of got that vibe. So, you know, it's it's, right. it's something that if it aligns with who Tom Herman is, you know, that is absolutely Tom is all about, you know, all of the details being aligned. However many times we've heard that. I mean, when I hear, you know, being aligned, I want to like gouge my eyes out now and um, <laughs> <laughs> just because it's like the. It's it's basically like the when Mac used to always talk about how physical teams were. It was just like, oh, oh my god! It's like I could make a soundtrack. What was that song? Physical. Who sang that? Was that Olivia yeah, Newton John? John. It's like I could just do that over with Mac saying uh, physical. That's kind of how one to know and aligned is that way. But you know, that's that's the details. That's what Tom Herman's all about. So, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that these two will, with Chris Ash coming back, joining Tom Herman. Um, even though Tom Herman will be his boss this time, I think that this is this is a good hire because of the similarities in both, you know, how they are as coaches, but also Chris Ash kind of knowing what Tom Herman expects. I think, you know, I personally think that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, and there's trust, mm-hmm. and and they that that's what they're trying to gain this off season. I mean, this off season is about 
team building and trust building, not only coach to player, but coach to coach. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I mean, Jay Valai has a working relationship with Chris Ash and and some of the other assistants we talked to, like Andre Coleman about Mike Yersich. And I'll, I'll get into my tailgate takeaway now. Um, back to the top, UT sent in a question talking about um, Mike Yersich and how do you balance uh, how many players do you use and you know how many uh, playmakers can you involve in game planning and and it's tricky it's tricky you have to be really smart really efficient and you have to you have to be economical I mean you have to be able to think okay we're gonna install this play and you have to have done your offseason study you have to have already looked at your opponents and their tendencies to realize okay we're gonna we're definitely going to use this play. We're probably going to use it against this team, that team, that team. Um, and they're figuring out their bread and butter plays and all that right now. And that's going to be fun because there are a lot of weapons. I mean, last year they were on the come. This year you've got experience everywhere. I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week, Taylor, on the flagship podcast that Jake Smith and Brennan Eagles each had six touchdown catches last year. Right. And you don't even, you don't even, you're like, what? Wait, what? They both had six touchdown catches? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, they, they got, they got some experience. They, Jake Smith caught a touchdown against LSU. So, you know, Mike Yersich, this is what I like about Mike Yersich, uh, back to the top UT, is that this guy, he gets it. Um, everything that I've heard from people who've played for him, who've coached with him is that the guy is super smart, but he's also super inclusive. And that's one of the things that really stood out to me about what we heard from the assistant coaches this week. Andre Coleman um, said, look, this guy is not about who's right. He's about getting it right. And he said in this profession, there's egos all over the place. And he said, this guy is not about that. And that's that's important. Look, Brian Harson at Texas got knocked for taking all the game plan suggestions in from Major Applewhite and you know Mac McWhorter and whoever else was on staff. And then not ever incorporating what they said into the game plan. Now, Brian Harson's doing pretty well for himself. Yeah, he's at, doing all right. <laughs> at Boise, but you get what I'm saying. It, it's mm-hmm. look the the play caller. It's his neck on the line. But what I've heard about Mike Yersich is, if he hears a good idea and he'll sound it out with the person, and then boom, put it into effect. And and he said, others may have a better idea, and that's that's what you want to hear. Check the ego at the door. This has got to be a we thing, and. And so people are like, is Tom Herman, you know, he's running Herman's offense. Is Herman going to meddle? No, Herman is not going to meddle. I mean, Herman wanted out of the play calling business. Now, look, Herman's going to be in the meetings. He's going to give his input. Yersich is going to take the input. And then in the heat of battle, Yersich is going to call the plays that he has been setting up all game. And he's going to make the adjustments based on the philosophy that he's developing 
and then the offense is going to evolve. And that's where the offense failed last year. They came in with good stuff, but defenses had an offseason to prepare. When they hit Oklahoma, and Oklahoma hit them with all the twists and stunts, every team after that did that. They took away the RPOs that were successful for Texas by moving linebackers and defensive backs into the areas where those RPOs were successful, and Texas didn't adjust quickly enough. It was as if, at times, it looked like they didn't know their own game plan or hadn't practiced. I mean, anyway, you're not going to see that with Mike Yersich. This guy's not afraid. I mean, he went to Oklahoma State from Shippensburg. Mike Gundy is a smart, offensive guy. Mike Gundy's hard to work for. Yeah. Mike Yersich called plays for the guy for six years. And Mike Yersich is, was a, he's a better hire than Graham Harrell. If Graham Harrell wasn't going to be excited about blending his air raid with Herman's pro spread, and honestly, that would have been a disaster now that I think about it. You need a guy who's just going to come in and take it over, and that's what Yersich is doing. He'll, he'll tell Herman what he needs to hear about everything, but at the end of the day, what goes on the field? If, if Yersich is moving the ball and getting in the painted area, Tom Herman will talk about it because the coordinators don't get to talk after the game. Herman will make it sound like it was all his idea. Yersich won't care. Did we win? Yeah. Did we get in the end zone? Did we win? And that's why I like Mike Yersich. And thanks for the question. Back to the top, UT. Thanks for all the questions. Um, we did get one other one, Taylor, about Yancey McKnight. A lot of people feel like Yancey McKnight is the reason for all the injuries last year, the shoulder injuries. And let me tell you, I'm, I've talked to Tim Crowder about this. I've talked to other uh, defensive players about this. It was not Yancey McKnight. And the guy, if anything, stays away from weightlifting that puts stress on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. He's about building the legs. What happened was this ridiculous scheme that Todd Orlando was employing where he was trying to force running plays to the outside because he had speed to pursue. Mm-hmm. The problem is when you're putting smaller high-speed players in space making high-impact tackles at weird angles, you end up with a buttload of shoulder injuries, and that's exa- and neck injuries, and stingers, and, that's, and forearm-shattering Chris Brown. Mm-hmm. That's, that's from having to make these high-speed, high-collision tackles with running backs who are sometimes bigger than them oh, instead yeah, of like forcing Green. everything I mean, between. Yeah. Instead of forcing everything between the tackles where you have 235-pound linebackers to stuff those people. So Todd Orlando, he gone, and Chris Ash is in. They're going to set an edge. The running plays are going to go between the tackles. And mark my word, I'll bet you a dozen donuts, we don't come anywhere near the shoulder injuries we experienced in 2019. So I have to ask you, Chip, because the – Linebacker depth is still, I mean, I know DeMarvin over Sean um, down to linebacker, but it's still kind of a question mark. If they don't trust the linebackers to be able to take on any of the running plays that get past the defensive line, are we going to see the same thing? Where are you going to push it out to the outside and hope that somebody can make a play on it so that they don't just get trampled by a 
really struggling linebacking core. Because I think that played a little bit of a role in it, it too. Did. It did. I don't think the coaches trusted the linebackers. Right. And rightfully so. And that's you know? on um, Todd Orlando. That's his position. It's like, I mean, Orlando just froze, honestly. He he had not had to teach young linebackers in over a decade. I mean, you have to go back to his time at Utah State, before Utah State. At Utah State, he had veteran linebackers. At Houston, he inherited veteran linebackers. And at Texas, he inherited Malik Jefferson, Anthony Wheeler, Gary Johnson. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, this is the he, first, last year was the first year he didn't have it. Right, and he, he, didn't, he failed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he said that. He said he was impatient, and he said... I got to do a better job teaching. It's like, I expect these guys, they haven't done it. Right. And that's why Orlando got fired. Yeah. Now, Chris Ash and Coleman Hutzler get to be best friends because they got a, they've got the talent. Delia Dayaway can play. Juwan Mitchell can play. Marcus Tillman can play. But they got to develop it. They got to get it, get it there fast. David Bendis coming off suspension. They've got to get the, and now DeMarvin Overshawn is in a new position group and new position group meetings. Mm-hmm. This is, this is going to make or break them. That tying the front and the back of this defense together is going to make or break this season, but it sure as hell helps to have Joseph Osai up there on the front lines wrecking shop. Yeah. Actually pressuring quarterbacks and don't giving him, you yeah. know, all day to freaking find an open <laughs> receiver. <laughs> you know, I mean, my gosh, like, and these aren't just, you know, normal receivers that we saw last year. You know, these are the best receivers in the country against the best offenses in the country. And it's like, yeah, let's just put these poor, you know, defensive backs on an island because it's clearly their fault when they give up a pair, you know, they give up a reception. It's like, um, was the quarterback even, did he have to move or did he just stand there the whole time? Because <laughs> that's how little pressure that Texas got last year. And oh, you know, Yeah. I mean, think of why they were good in Todd Orlando's first year. Puna Ford. He never got the recognition he deserved, but that is why that defense was so good. And then veteran linebackers and Malik Jefferson and Anthony Wheeler. But Puna Ford is where it started, all yep. with him. Yep. Set the point of attack and commanded the double team, and away they went. Uh, and teams did not have film on, not a lot of film with Todd, well, no, no film with Todd Orlando and Texas's personnel. So, um, that first year, you get the element of surprise, and Texas will have that with mm-hmm. Chris Ash and Mike Yersich, which comes in handy. As long as the trust is there and the play calling and Mike Yersich saying our offensive players have to know our scheme better than their defensive players know their scheme, if all that is happening, you do have the element of surprise, which is pretty nice when you're going to Baton Rouge on September 12th and taking on the defending national champs. Yeah, and yeah. Taylor, we've got a lot to get to. This could be the longest podcast we've ever done. But, <laughs> hell, we had Chris Del Conte for 30 minutes. What do you want? Yeah, um, we're not going to cut him off, right? <laughs> but LSU hired Scott Linehan, and we'll pick it up there next week. This was a disaster hire by Ed Orgeron, and I will tell you next week why on the flagship podcast. Taylor, you're the best. Chris Del Conte, thank you. Yes. Great conversation. Go back and listen to this one again, folks, because it you're going to pick up a lot of stuff that Chris Del Conte gave you in that interview, and uh, and we'll we'll do it again next week. Until then, 
If you're not a member at Horns 24-7, let's go. Get that 30% off. Get an annual membership so that you're getting VIP access to every team site on the 24-7 Sports Network. In addition to Taylor, the Godfather, uh, Bobby Burton, Jeff Howe, uh, Mike Roach, um, our man Nick, and, of course, Chip Brown. Yeah, trying to <laughs> trying to bring it bring it up the rear. Hey, of course, Chip Brown for let's, sure. <laughs> let's do it again next week, Taylor, on the flagship yeah. podcast. Thanks everybody for listening.